This episode is brought to you by Levitt Pavilion. This summer, check out one of my favorite outdoor concert venues in Denver, Levitt Pavilion. May through October, Levitt is offering ticketed and totally free all-ages concerts. I feel like we just go to anything that's free because it's like the kids can be at the show and it's people aren't weird about it and you can like bring a picnic. It's awesome. Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Chali Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver. Is AI an existential threat to humanity or the future of work? Whatever it is, it's already here. As of a couple weeks ago, a cutting-edge AI chatbot has been manning the drive-thru of the Carl's Jr. in Lakeside. So my producer Paul and I went to test it out. And then I talked to the CEO of Valiant AI, the local company behind the software that could be taking your order soon. Today is Monday, June 12th. I'm Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. Rob Carpenter, welcome to CityCast Denver. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So the reason I'm talking to you is because your company's AI technology is being used at a Carl's Jr. here in Lakeside, and and we, we wanted to, to try it. So my producer, Paul, and I made a trip to the drive-thru ourselves, and a voice greeted us. Um, can I play you a clip of what happened next? Sure, go for it. Um, sorry, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Um, can I, uh, can I actually ask you a, a weird question? <laughs> yeah. So I, I heard, um, this is one of the Carl's Jr. locations that is contracted with a local AI company to provide voice services for the drive through Yes. I know this is a really uncomfortable question, but <laughs> is that you? No. <laughs> you sound like a person. No, it's not me. It's just, you know, like how Siri sounds like on iPhone? Yeah. Or like Alexa, it sounds just like that. Yeah. She was on over here, but we kind of turned her off because she needs some more improvements. So. What do you think about our what you just heard? Uh, I mean, if she was an AI, I would love to have hired her because I think she sounded <laughs> fantastic. Um, that was a brand new store. Um, customers weren't as familiar or used to ordering from that system. And that was the first time we had launched that brand of Carl's Jr. in that store. So we're like, okay, this one's a little more intense. Let's pause this one. So we did pause that store. Um, we're currently in Westminster right now. We have two in Pueblo and we just launched another location south of Pueblo. And we're looking at launching one new store per week moving forward because it's so ungodly <laughs> hard to build this technology. So conversational AI under the surface is a daisy chain. You have basically five to 10 critical pieces of software and absolutely everything has to work in order. So let's say you have just 3% degradation at each point, but you have to do 10 points in a row. You're now talking a potential 30% error rate. And that, by the way, is on one intent. That could just be a customer saying, hey, get me the you know bacon beast with a large Coca-Cola light ice. And then, oh, by the way, imagine vice grips on either side of that conversation saying, and you have to have that entire conversation in 30 seconds and you need to be as accurate as a human. Go. 
So we've seen over this time period, somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 AI companies that have announced that they're going to go into the space, raise money, been given money by a parent organization, and then ultimately ended up failing and pulling out of the market entirely. So it's uh, it's just so, so hard to build this technology. So we're going to get back to Lakeside. We're just giving A, that team time to acquaint themselves with the restaurant, giving the local consumers a little more time to acquaint themselves with the product and the offering. And then we ourselves have made some pretty significant gains with the product over the last 60 days. So we look forward to getting that location back live. And I think once we do, it'll go really well. Have you talked to any of the employees like um, this This uh, really wonderful, nice person we interacted yeah. with at Carl's Jr.? Have you talked to them about their experience sort of having this as their, their co-worker? Yeah, kind of crosses the spectrum. So some really like it. We have one store that will run 94, 95% automation. And they literally never get involved unless they really have to. So the the employee, the human psychology element absolutely plays a major role in terms of the overall experience and how the AI does. And we look at AI as a tool to help the staff be more efficient. Um, if you've ever used chat GPT to write or create any content, you can get tasks done maybe in half the time that it normally took you to, to do it uh, previously. And that's, I think, where we're seeing this technology go for the other 85% of the market segment. Because the restaurant owners themselves are telling me, like, hey, it's so hard to find labor. I really don't think I can cut any labor, but I absolutely have stores that are understaffed. I absolutely have you know, employees that don't show up on time or don't show up at all or quit you know, in the middle of a shift, you know, and I desperately need technology to help support me in that type of an environment. And so we're looking at transitioning this to being a tool. So if the employees want to take 30, 40% of the orders, go ahead. If you want to take 5% of the orders, go ahead. I want to come back to the uh, the labor shortage conversation in a minute because I know this is an integral part of this conversation. But um, I have a second part of a clip where we did ask if we could like properly try Holly and, and uh, the employee was so nice and was like, sure. So... Um, she basically had a start start over. Um, so I'm just we're just gonna play for you now how that part went. Sounds good. Welcome to Carl's Jr. What can we get started for you? Oh hey, hi. Hi. Give me what just. What can I get for you? Just, uh, just, just a minute. Just give us one second, please. No problem. Order when you're ready. Okay. One thing. Could we have a, a side order of fried zucchini? What else can I get for you? All right. And to confirm, how many fried zucchinis did you want? Just the one order, please. And to confirm, how many fried zucchinis did you want? Just that one order, please. Just the one order. All right. Okay. Um, can I get a number one with no onion and no tomato, but add bacon? Okay. Okay. Uh, and for your drink? Oh, I'd like a Coke, please. Can sure. I can I get that with Would onion rings? Was that everything? No. Yes. What can I get for you? Do Do you have a good vegetarian option? Please wait. Transitioning to team member. Oh, lost it. <laughs> I, I, I. You were right. No, you were totally <laughs> you were right. To turn her on. <laughs> I'm <laughs> so glad. Her. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. 
don't even think she rung up your order. <laughs> oh my gosh. You see why I had her turn off? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, what? Tell me more about how Holly is supposed to work, because I think obviously you you hear there that the the system itself is like, okay, I, I think I need a human here. Mm-hmm. Um, what sh- what ideally would have have happened? So customers don't generally ask for recommendations. Sure, that's fair. We built that functionality. <laughs> We've also built a lot of functionality previously around like how many calories does this have, how much sugar is in this. And like, nobody ever asks those questions. And it is generally a challenging situation, you know, whether it's journalism or to be honest, like even just investors or prospective customers, because they're like, okay, let us both be talking. Let's have background noise. Let's ask for recommendations. Let's do this, you know, and you're looking for the edges of the system and you found it. You know, what generally we see for traditional customers that are going through the drive through is they're like, hey, I want this. And then we're like, okay, do you want to make it a combo? Do you want a drink? And they're like, I'll take a Coke. And I want this and this and that's it. So that's why we talk about, you know, the AI will take a significant portion of the overall orders. But absolutely, the AI is not a human. So in those types of situations, the system is like, I am not doing well. Let me just go ahead off yeah. to my coworkers and be like, good luck. <laughs> sure. So I, and I totally hear you. I think that makes sense because especially we're talking about fast food, who goes to McDonald's and is like, what do you recommend? I didn't even know they served fried zucchini. I was like, is that even a product? <laughs> like, oh yeah. God, it is a product. That was, <laughs> that was a recommendation to, from a friend of mine. She was like, oh, you got to get the fried zucchini. And I was like, okay, because okay. there's not a Carl's Jr. near my house. But um, the thing I, I would say, the reason we were asking that was it had they have a Beyond Meat option, mm-hmm. and so we were seeing if she was going to tell us that that was a vegetarian option because I'm thinking maybe someone doesn't know what a Beyond Meat burger is, maybe they don't. You know, like I see what you're saying where there's you're not asking for a recommendation, but I guess we should have been more clear. We were trying to figure out is there a vegetarian burger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. would be maybe the better question. You might be the person that's ever asked that at a burger restaurant. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade, hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. So like you were saying, um, I know that you recently have signed a deal to get more of these in different uh, Carl's mm-hmm. Jr. and Hardy's locations across the country. We have several here in Colorado already. I think from what it sounds like you're ahead of this AI competition in general, we're talking about it a lot now in the media. What do you think about the sort of recent hoopla or interest in AI? I mean, look, it's exciting, right? There's a lot that's going on out there. I don't think that this is sort of a flash in the pan. Like, I think this is real technology. I think this is going to deliver value to businesses and to consumers. I think um, some of the more, I don't know, uh, sensational 
uh, individuals that are out there talking about this stuff and like, oh, we need laws and this can spell the doom for humanity. It's like, settle down. Like this stuff is so dumb. <laughs> like you saw it and like, arguably we have one of the more cutting edge systems on the market, right? Like, but it's not a human and it's not going to be a human or anything close to a human for a very long time, in my opinion. I also think that um, we as humans have to learn how to interact with it too. So as we get used to using it more often, we'll understand what its prompts would want for us. Like I think about, I, I called my doctor's office the other day and they clearly got an automated assistant all of a sudden. And it was like, text this number and give me like the information. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if they want just like the date and the time. Do they want my, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I was thinking this will be something that we as humans will also have to there's a learning curve for us as well, like any other technology, right? Mm -hmm. I think it'll be a convergence. Like the AI will 100% get smarter and smarter and smarter every single month, right? Like the version that you guys saw draw a line in the sand, that's the worst it'll ever be, right? Like it's only going to get smarter from here on out. So there's just, there's millions and millions of edge cases that you're trying to program around to arrive at that point down the road where the entire interaction from end to end is smooth and you get the experience. And then that's where you start to see some of these sensationalized things where they're like, oh my God, the car is self-aware. And it's like, no, it's not. Like you just have been programming it for a decade and it has so many machine learning models and if then structures around everything that you get this uh, smoke and mirrors sort of illusion of intelligence. Yeah, totally. And I'm also just thinking about how many times I call something and I'm like, talk to a human, talk to a totally. human, talk to a human. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we have a lot. We have a long way to go as people. Yeah, we see it about one to five percent of the time, like out of the gate operator, you know, kind of a situation. Yeah. And that's fine. <laughs> I think honestly, like the worst situation is try to force somebody into something that they don't really want to be interacting with. And I think what we're going to see with this technology, I would compare it to kind of like self-checkout at grocery stores. You know, like yes. you don't want to deal with self-checkout, you go to a human. You know, you might have to wait in line a little bit longer, right? But, you know, if you've got five or six items and you've used it before, like generally speaking, you get out of the store a lot faster. Um, so I want to get back to the labor conversation because I think that's really the underlying component here is like the idea of job loss. Um, I know, like you've expressed, and we we read all the time, there's not enough workers. Um, but is this taking away a job? Or is this like, how do you see it in the workplace as like, this is now a robot employee instead of a person? Yeah, I mean, I think it's more of people just need to start getting used to beginning to see more robots in more different type of environments, because I don't have updated numbers. But the last time I looked, you know, six, nine months ago, there was somewhere on the order of 1.8 million unfilled restaurant positions, anywhere between 33 and 50% of every single restaurant out there is understaffed. And that puts a tremendous amount of additional pressure on the employees who did show up and are trying to do a good job, but now they're trying to do a job for three different people. I mean, there was one time we were at a restaurant and Burger King reached out to us and they're like, hey, we want to come test the product. And I was like, great, come on, let's go down, you know. And we get there and we literally waited in line for 30 minutes to get up in order. And I'm like just sweating, right? I'm like, oh my God, the AI is failing. I'm doing a terrible job. We order, it's fine. We get up to the window. Um, there's literally one person working. I think she was like 18, is literally running the entire fast food restaurant by herself. And so imagine you're cooking, you're processing payments, you're filling up soft drinks, you're taking orders, right? Like that is a brutal environment. And if yeah. you put yourself in the position of an employee, right? Imagine, you know, you're standing on your feet for eight hours 
And it's really monotonous. You're saying the exact same greeting. You're getting pressure to say the exact same upsells. You're giving slight variations of the total and then you're doing it again. And you have to do that 300 times over the course of eight hours, right? Like if you think about a manufacturing facility and you have a robot arm that picks something up in one place and moves it to the other place because it's monotonous, it's like you don't need to have a human do that. Like that'll kill your soul being that repetitive, doing the same thing over and over again. Like let the robots do the drudgery. Let the humans do the more creative and interesting elements and, and what it means, right, to be a human. I also want to point out, too, that like in general, economies are dynamic. You know, people think anytime there's job loss that suddenly it's a terrible thing. But all we have to do is go back, you know, 120 years and 95, 96 percent of Americans worked in some way or another in the agrarian industry. Right. And now I think the most recent statistics is it's like one or one point five percent. But do we have 94 percent unemployment because all those jobs were lost? No, because economies are dynamic and as robots in the form of, you know, um, caterpillar tractors and things like that came onto the market and made humans more efficient, our economy grew. Wealth was created, new jobs were created, new businesses were created, new industries were created, right? Where I think people have to be hyper aware is more around the rate of automation, right? Like we can turn over an economy in 100 years. But what happens if an economy turns over in 20 years, right? Like that's a really big problem. And so we need to be keeping an eye on, do all fast food workers get automated? Do all semi-truck drivers get automated? Do all taxi cab drivers get automated? And if all those things happen in five years, that's a huge problem. If those things happen over the course of 50 years, we're totally fine. So I, I kind of want to finish on this. I, you've touched on some of these ideas, but this this hypothetical, the hypothetical things about AI that I think scare us a little bit. These, you know, the scary sci-fi Get versions. Get into it. I love it. <laughs> you know, like the, the how, the Skynet. Like, you know, what is the positive version of that? Like, what would Denver look like in Rob Carpenter's version of AI in the future? What time period are we talking about? That will have a major <laughs> so impact. So I've, I've got it. <laughs> I have a two-year-old. I, two I got my first job at 14. Mm -hmm. I don't know, in 12, 15 years. What kind of Denver could he be looking at if this was, if we saw this in a good way? Um, I think really high-skilled wage type of work where you're in more comfortable environments. So Let's just say it's a, it's a young person, they're starting out, and it's just truly a basic entry-level job. Well, right now, they might be standing on their feet for eight hours repeating the exact same phrase over and over and over again, right? Well, in this alternative future, they could be sitting in a warm, comfortable office, drinking a Red Bull or a cup of coffee. I mean, right now, you know, we see when we're out there looking to hire people that AI engineers, people that can train these machine learning models... I mean, entry level, they can be making 150,000. And in the higher end echelons, you know, they're three to 500,000 on average, right? And so, yeah, inflation's going up, but now we're sort of seeing the market moving into some of these kind of higher income, higher wage type of paying jobs. And so, as a optimist, when I look at these types of things and I look at the last 120 years and I look at how hard AI is and how much slower it's developing than I think we thought a decade ago. I think that we will see some creative destruction, but we're going to see a lot of new jobs and positions and industries open up. In 1999, who would have thought that social media manager, right? right. But now that's a position and people make really, really good money and, and live very comfortably and have good careers doing that job. Well, Rob, thank you so much. This has been enlightening. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. 
And here's what else Denverites are talking about. The Marshall Fire. Last week, Boulder County officials announced the results of their 18-month investigation into the cause of the most destructive wildfire in Colorado history. According to the Denver Post, it was a combination of the things we've been speculating about since that dry, windy day in late December 2021. There was a week-old ember on the 12 tribes' property that ignited under high winds and a defective XL power line that sparked a second fire. No criminal charges have been filed. Oh, and before I go, it's summer and we're gearing up for our next local food battle. Ice cream. And we need your help. What's your favorite local ice cream place? We want to know what you scream for. Leave us a voicemail with your fave at the Sweet Treat Hotline, 720-500-5418. Again, tell us your favorite ice cream spot at 720-500-5418. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell ChatGPT about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you later. Like, how is it in practice? What is it really like? Like, I don't care if you can recreate a Picasso painting with a bunch of prompts, you know?